is he worthy, is Jesus. I don't know if you know it or not, but the he in the answer to the question, he is, is Jesus. I don't know if you know it or not, but the lion of Judah is Jesus. The root of David is Jesus. The lamb that died to ransom the slave is Jesus. The one who's able to break the seal and open the scroll is Jesus. The one who conquered the grave. The only one who conquered the grave is Jesus. And now I am guessing by this time that you do know this. You've already figured it out. But this morning we're going to talk about Jesus. This is not the one. This is not the one that you have seen in pictures. With a white robe and a baby blue sash. Smiling with perfectly poofy hair. This is not... The white Jesus, the American Jesus, this is not the Republican Jesus, this is not the adjective that people use as a swear word, this is not, this is not the weak, emaciated, pathetic Jesus that you see on a graven image attached to a crucifix. In a crumbling church. It's not that Jesus. But this day I will speak of the one. I will speak of the only one. Who faced the worst curse. That is known to mankind. Darkness. Of sin and death. And reversed it. Reversed it. To light. And to life. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are able to come to you directly in the name of the risen Savior, Jesus. I thank you for ministering to hearts and souls here this morning. I thank you for your presence that is here, that ignites and warms And yet also convicts hearts. Father, as we pause on this very special morning. May our thoughts be focused on you. And you alone. Father, I thank you for the privilege you've given to us. The freedoms and the grace. To worship openly and freely. And to sing loudly. Lord, my heart right now goes for literally millions upon millions of our brothers and sisters in Christ who do not and cannot worship openly and freely. They worship in secrecy. Father, I just pray that you would protect them and give them increased boldness. And Father, may we be faithful in lifting them up, encouraging them in our prayers. And may you... Allow the work of the gospel to continue to go forward and light up this darkened world. Father, please may everything that is said and done 
be said and done for your glory and for your glory alone. We ask this in the precious and powerful and wonderful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen. And amen. I just figured it out. This is my, this is my 50th, 50th Easter. That means for 50 years, I have been picking out that fake green plastic grass from the coconut cream eggs. It gets stuck to it in our baskets, right? 50 years. 50 years I've been throwing out those black licorice jelly beans. Whose idea was that? 50 years. That translates into hundreds and hundreds of Cadbury Easter eggs. Thousands upon thousands of jelly bellies. And I have been to more church services, and I have sang more Easter songs, and I have read the Easter story so many times I can't even count them. Quite familiar with this phrase, he is not here. He's not here. He is risen. All of those Easter's all of those years and yet I do not and I cannot fully grasp comprehend the idea that there was a sweaty blood soaked body that had been ruthlessly maliciously beaten whipped nailed pierced, drained, it was cold, no breath, no pulse, no blood pressure, no vitals, flatlined, dead, buried, three days, and now he is alive. The lion of Judah conquered the grave. So, so this morning, why does, why does this matter to us? This morning, what does this mean for us? Take your Bibles and turn with me to the very last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation. I want you to look at Revelation chapter 1. This morning, Easter morning, we begin our journey in God's Word on a small Greek island in the eastern part of the Aegean Sea. It's, it's a tiny, tiny little island. Basically, it's just a big rock that juts out of what? Sparkling turquoise sea into the bluest of skies. It's only seven miles long. This island, this rock in the Aegean Sea is called Patmos. It was on this island that the Apostle John had been exiled. He had been vanquished to this prison that had literally just been cut and carved out of this rock in the middle of the sea. 
You, you know the Apostle John, right? Do you remember the Apostle John? The brother of James, one of the sons of Zebedee, one of the sons of Thunder. Remember John who, who was there with Jesus and Peter on, on Mount Transfiguration? Remember John who was the only apostle that was at the crucifixion that Jesus said, what? John, I want you to take care of my mother. Remember this John, the one that, that ran, who reached the tomb first. He beat out Peter on the way. It's this John who was probably the youngest of all of the disciples. That's why he ran the foot, he, he won the foot race. And at this particular point in Revelation chapter 1, the Apostle John has outlived all of the other apostles. At this point, he was probably old, very old. Mid-90s is what they suspect. You see, all the other disciples had already died for their faith. They had all died as martyrs because of what they believed and preached about Jesus. The other disciples had been stoned to death. Some had been speared. Some had been burned to death. Some had been clubbed to death. Others thrown off a cliff, even crucified like Jesus. John himself had already been tortured for his faith. Tradition claims that he was actually boiled in a pot of, of, of oil, and yet he did not die. Probably scarred as a result, and now relegated to this prison, left to die on this rock in the middle of the sea. All the disciples had paid the highest of prices because they chose to follow this, this one named Jesus. John in that prison cell, like any one of us, was wondering, what's, what's next? What would happen? He falls asleep and he has a dream and in this dream, he sees Jesus. Anyone who ever sees Jesus. Go back to Old Testament. One who sees God himself. Immediately is terrified. Exactly how John felt. You can follow along as I read in John Revelation chapter 1 verse 17. John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he, he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death in Hades. In a moment of terror, John is reminded, John is comforted, what? There is no need for you to be afraid. There's no need for any of us 
who know the risen Savior, Jesus. There is no need in any circumstance any of us would ever face for us to be afraid. Jesus says this, I hold the keys. What, what do keys mean? Keys equal what? Authority. We know that keys unlock doors so you can get in. Keys also what? They, they lock doors to keep you out. Jesus is saying this. I have the whole thing. This whole death thing. You have nothing to worry about. I have it all covered. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you. I don't want you to be afraid. Do you realize that's the single simple message of what the Easter story is all about? That's why this morning, that's why this message matters. You've all heard. I love, I love the Easter story this morning. I read it in all four of the gospel accounts. And I love the tiny little details that a lot of people don't pick up on right away when you read the Easter story. John's account in John chapter 20, the women who came to anoint the body of Jesus, it says this very specifically. They came on the first day of the week, early while it was still dark. There's this idea of secrecy. They know that someone who, who follows Jesus, they just killed him. And so there's this idea that it's still dark, lurking in secrecy. Another detail, the women rushing back to tell the disciples, Peter and John. It says that they were running together, but the other disciple, that's John, outran Peter and he reached the tomb first. But John doesn't go in. It says that he stoops to look in and he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and he went right into the tomb. There's this idea of what? Urgency. Urgency. I love the little detail of what? The shining angel. It says in Matthew 28. Angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone. And it says that he sat on it. That's authority. And we see these little details throughout the Easter story kind of woven through. But I think, in all honesty, of all the, the intricate little details about the story, one of my favorite little details is the question that the angel asked those women the first Easter morning. Pastor Aaron read it for us. Here's the question. Why, why do you seek the living among the dead? Um, they, they don't have a verbal response here. It's not recorded. But their actions very, very clearly speak for them. You, you, can, almost, you can almost hear them. Well, we, we came here to the cemetery. We came here to the graveyard. We came here to the tombs, the place where dead people are, because we saw Jesus and he was dead. That's why we came here. Listen very carefully to the response. I'll read it again, what Pastor Aaron read earlier, to what the angel said. He's not here. He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you 
while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. There's a sense of expectancy. You should have expected this. I think it's pretty easy for us, what, all of us, as we kind of peer in to these ladies, to play like Monday morning quarterback. Except we wouldn't say, come on, man. We'd say this, come on, ladies, what are you thinking? How could you miss this detail? How could you forget this? Don't you remember? Don't you recall? It's kind of a big deal. Three years you've been with him. How do you forget this detail? No, I said I like the little tiny, tiny, tiny details of scripture of the Easter story. I want you to notice something this morning. When the angel, angel says... Remember how he told you? Remember how he told you? There's no question mark there. He's not asking them a question. What? Don't you remember? How could you have forgotten? Why did you forget? What's interesting here is that it's not a question. The word remember we know is a, is a verb. A verb describes an action. It's in the aorist Verb tense. It's used by the author to present the action of a verb in a snapshot event. Which actually means it's an imperative. Which means what? It's not meant to be a question. It's actually meant to be a command. And you're like, well, great. Way to geek me out with a grammar lesson this morning. I got a ham in the oven. No, 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 no. What's the big deal here? It is a big deal. Question or command? Question or command? Command or question? It's a command. And why is this important? You know why? Because God in his great and majestic and sovereign plan knew that you and I, that all of mankind would not be able to move quickly or easily from the idea of someone being dead... To now that someone being alive. It's not normal for us. It's not natural for us. When you see someone dead, you expect them to be dead. But not so with Jesus. The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave. Totally, totally, totally new from anything and anyone. Travel with me back to the Apostle John, exiled to Patmos. Suffering, vanquishing, terrified as far as like, what, what is next? What is going on? And he hears this with the hand on his shoulder. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. Oh yeah, and I hold the keys to death. Why is this important? It's important because we, this morning, have a problem. We have a problem, and it's a really, really big problem. The world is broken. 
You know it every single day. Every day, every one of you face something that you're like, yeah, this broke and it wasn't supposed to break. Every day, someone says something or does something that's nasty to you. Every day. Somehow we are reminded. Look everywhere around us. Creation is groaning. People are suffering. Sin has a consequence. Darkness is real. Death is real. Hell is real. And do you realize that people live in a constant fear of trouble and turmoil every single day? Stressed, worried, anxious about death and dying. And every single day, check out what? Any single media outlet that's out there. And it's a steady flow. The spies are spying on us. Enemies are lurking. Any media outlet. The environment is crumbling. Terrorists are plotting. The economy is collapsing. Diseases are increasing. If it's not the Russians, it's the measles. Vaccinate. No, don't vaccinate. I think the Russians are using the measles. Is this, is this just exhausting? It's exhausting every single day. You realize that people are so afraid. They're so consumed. They're so stressed. They're so worried about the subject of death. They are so stressed trying to cope with the concept of death. You know what's happening? They're actually dying. Do you realize that? According to the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, we've just marked the third straight year of a decline in U.S. life expectancy. All the science, all the medicine, all the technology, and we're living less and less every single year. Princeton economist Ann Case and Angus Deaton pointed out in a disturbing trend, specifically highlighting three, what we now live with in our world and are called diseases of despair. We live in our worlds with three diseases of despair, drug abuse, alcoholism, and suicide. People are choosing, and every single one of us know someone that we love and care about who's suffering or struggling with one of those diseases. 2017 alone, there were more than 70,000 drug overdose deaths. The highest number of drug overdose deaths for any single year in the history of the United States. What's interesting is that they marked the three worst states for drug overdose deaths. West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, number three. 
It's the world that we live in. And yet you realize this is not, this is not, this is not how God has designed and desired and intended for us to live. At Big Woods Bible Church, we've just finished a series. And we reminded one another, what, according to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is true, you think about that which is true. Jesus Christ himself said what? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says what? In John chapter 8, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Jesus Christ said, I came so that you may have life that you would have it more abundantly. Jesus said what? I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Jesus is offering us what? Truth and hope and joy in the midst of a fallen, broken world. There is incredible reason to celebrate there is cause to rejoice. Why? Because Jesus is joy. Jesus is joy. Jesus said what? I am the living one. I was dead and now look. I'm alive forever and I hold the keys. This morning reminding you and I what? He's got this death thing covered. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing for you to stress or fret or fear when you have put your faith, your whole life, into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, but like, what, what does that mean entirely? And like, how, how do I do that? Except the fact, first and foremost, that what? The world around us is not the only thing that's broken, but there's something broken in here. You don't have to convince and work too hard to even, what, remind a little tiny child that they do things wrong. And you can cutesy that up with, that was a really poor decision. Or you can tell them what the truth is. That's sin as a result of the sinful wickedness that exists in your own heart. We never teach our children how to squabble and fight with one another. They learn that on their own. Accept the fact, first and foremost, that not only do we live in a broken world, but we are broken. Secondly, what? Believe. John himself saw Jesus coming from afar and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ lived a perfect and a sinless life. The, the, the Lamb without blemish. In comparison to God's holiness, we see our own sinfulness and we realize that there's a massive gap. And how do we close that? The third thing that we do, literally, in the quietness of your own hearts, the sincerity of your own mind, you confess your sins before the Lord. Forgive me. 
forgive me. I know I'm a sinner. And I ask you to wash me and cleanse me. I love how David, the psalmist, says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. People, no one can deal with the subject of death like Jesus. And that's why we need him. That's why we trust him. And that's why the message of this Easter is so important. Let me conclude by asking you, where are you on this subject? Stressed, worried, anxious, around every turn there's, there's more trouble or what? I belong to the Lord. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Three weeks ago, we were woken early in the morning with the news that Wendy's dad, Grandpa Henderson, a faithful preacher of the gospel, went to bed, died the way that you and I hope and dream about dying, put his pajamas on, head on the pillow, and never woke up again. Uh, on this earth. But he is alive and well. Celebrating what? The risen Savior, face to face, as God's word says. You see, this message is so important. Paul wrote, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching and, and your faith is in vain. If Christ has not risen, if we could not celebrate this day, lock the doors, stay home, eat the licorice jelly beans. But Christ has risen. Paul continues on in Romans 8. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is now at the right hand of God, who is interceding on our behalf. I go every day directly to the throne room of God the Almighty, sovereign, reigns and rules over everyone and everything. I have time with him every day in the name and through the work of Jesus. And so can you. Many of you, many of you cannot dream of making it through another day without what? Praying and trusting Jesus as he continues to intercede on our behalf. So this morning be reminded, be encouraged, be joyful that there is one who conquers. There is one who has authority. There is one who intercedes on our behalf. The great Scottish theologian James Stewart says this, and I quote, the very triumphs of his foes Jesus used for their defeat. He compelled their dark achievement to serve his ends, not theirs. They nailed him to the tree, not knowing that by the very act they were bringing the world to his feet. They gave him a cross, not guessing that Jesus would make it a throne. Christians remember the events of the cross as the day when the entire earth was covered in darkness and heavy with death. But the light of Christ would not be overcome. Easter 
2019, I trust that you can say that Jesus is my Lord and Savior and that you live with no fear of death or darkness, but you look forward to a life of light. Father, we love you. We praise you for who you are. We thank you for the sacrifice and the suffering that you endured on the cross for our behalf. We praise you that we can this morning pause in all of the busyness. We can just stop. And thank you that you once were dead but are now alive. And you hold the keys and we trust you with our lives. Bless us. Bless this church. May you be glorified. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.